Hey friends, welcome back to the Albert Tate Podcast. As we talk about the waiting room, listen, it's been amazing. I've been getting your feedback. Uh, so many people talking about you in the waiting room. You was about to knock your mom out, but you decided not to because of the podcast. So thanks on behalf of your mom. Thanks on behalf of all your friends. No, I'm just playing. Yo, it's been great hearing all the feedback. This is an encouragement season. This whole season is about encouraging you as you go through difficult times or if you have the opportunity to walk with people that are going through a difficult time, how do we exist in the waiting room? Last week, oh my goodness, we talked about mourning uh, in the waiting room and it's okay to be okay. That first week we talked about, could it be that God is up to something bigger than you? realize and let's not make the waiting room an opportunity to be at war with God. Let's make this an opportunity to worship and expect God to be bigger than the problem in this season. Yo, so this week, we're continuing the conversation uh, on The War Room. I'm so excited to jump in. Before I do, listen, make sure that you like and share the podcast. Send it to friends. Um, subscribe so that you can stay up to date on all the exciting things that are happening. Thanks so much for tuning in. So glad. Let's get ready. The next episode of The Waiting Room. Here we go. What about your friends? Are they going to be around? Stand their ground, hey. Or if you're older, friends. Uh-uh, uh-uh. How many of you have them? Let's be friends. Today in the waiting room, the conversation is not just about you and God in the waiting room. Today I want to put on the table who you're bringing to the waiting room with you. Who gets to come um, and how do you handle friendships when you're in seasons? I'm telling you who you're around and the people you surround yourself in this season, it's extremely important. If you don't think that the people around you have an impact on your attitude, your capacity, your energy, uh, your thoughts, your ability to dream, your ability to have faith, your ability to doubt in the right places, who you have around you is everything. Don't underestimate the power of the people around you in community. The people around you got the ability to to determine whether it's a good day or a bad day. They can fill you up or they could drain your tank. They can bring you perspective and hope or they could leave you in despair and desperation. Who you have around you matters. So I'm telling you, while you're sitting there in this season of the waiting room, you got to ask yourself the question, what friends have I invited over and why? Are the people around me helping me in my journey? Or are they hindering me? Have I got the right people around me that can point me in the right direction? Let me tell you something. If you don't, the influence of the friends that you have around you, they shape your decisions. They speak into you. They, sometimes they bring stress and anxiety. Some of you got friends right now, right now. If they call you, if you see their name on the call ID, your anxiety raises right now. And when I said that, all you all know who that friend is. Oh, anxiety kicks up. And some of you, you got friends that when you see their name on the call ID, there's a joy, there's a sense, there's an excitement, there's an anticipation. I can't wait to talk to them. There's some people when you get in trouble, you know they're going to point you to God. So you want to call them first. There's sometimes when you, you know, in a rough mood and you need to vent, you know they're going to point you to, to tequila 
and you call them first. It all depends on what season you're in. All depends on who you call. And you know, just like you know that anxiety friend, all you know that tequila friend. Some of you, that tequila friend, her name is actually tequila. Um, But I guess this episode is all about friends. While you're in the waiting room, I want you to know who you have around you. It matters a lot. And how they show up around you matters a lot. Who are you inviting to the waiting room with you in this season? Job will tell you your friends matter. Now, Job's friends get a bad rap. A lot of people got a lot of things to say about Job, and they should get a bad rap. They they were pretty, you know, they were pretty off the chain for a segment in his life. But there are three things that Job's friends did get right. And as you look and study the book of Job, there are three things that really good friends do in this season. Number one, they showed up. They were there. Job's wife wasn't there. You don't see anybody else coming around out of all of the layers and complexities of death and destruction that he experienced. His friends were there. They were present. They showed up. You need friends that when you're in trouble, when you're in a season, when you're not living your best life, that they're still there. Be careful of fair weather friends that when you got money in the bank, when you got access, when you pop in, when you doing your when you living your best, they all up in your face and they're there. But when you fall on hard times, it's amazing how quickly the room can empty out. Do you have friends that show up when you need them? Do you have friends that are present that are there? Job's friends were present. Number two, Job's friends were present and they were quiet. They sat with Job for seven days, the Bible says. They sat for a season and didn't say nothing. You need friends that just know how to sit with you. I don't feel no pressure to talk to you. I don't feel no pressure to communicate. I've just got friends that are here just willing to be. That's a gift of Job's friends. Now, after seven days, they start talking and oh Lord, have mercy, they should have stayed quiet. They started accusing Job. You must have did something wrong in your life. You must have did something wrong. You must have, is this, is this a result of sin? Is this, and they started giving him the business. And I think we can also learn this from Job's friends. Um, sometimes you should probably just not say anything. Sometimes the greatest gift you can give people that are in the waiting room is just sitting with them, but being quiet. Because when you speak, you bring accusation, you bring work, you bring anxiety to the friends that are in the season. So they should have stayed quiet. But the other attribute of Job's friends that I love is at the end of Job's story, his friends were still there. And they learn how not to accuse him. But I think they, from my interpretation, I believe they they started to wrestle with how to wrestle with God, with Job in this season together. Job was wrestling with God and they learned how to wrestle as well. They had fewer answers, but more of a posture of being present and accommodating their friend as he navigated a difficult season. And even when it got hard, even when it got accusatory, they didn't get up from the table. There were people that I thought were friends, but when conflict came, they couldn't overcome the conflict and they ended up walking away from the table. You need friends that are going to stay till the end. You need friends that are 
to forgive the common uh, colloquialism, but you need friends that are just ride or die, that are going to be with you all the way through. You don't need 10 of them because, you know, it's that, that I, but you need a few that at the beginning of your story, they were there. It got rough in the middle and we got sideways with each other. We worked through the conflict and we were there. And when God restored it all, you were there. Those are the kind of friends we need. Job's friends. Um, and also learning, you know, some hard things from them. As I thought about this episode and encouraging you to begin to think about your circle, think about friends, um, think about who you need in this time. And for some of you, you're not in a waiting season, but you get to show up for friends that are how to show up well. Well, this is pretty cool. I've got two friends uh, that are guests on this episode that are going to talk about their own waiting room. And I just want to interview them and talk to them about friendships and how they navigated friendships and what did they want in the seasons of ne- in, the, in the waiting room and what did they not want and all that kind of stuff. So without further ado, two personal great friends of mine, Miss Tiana Spencer and Miss Randa Hinton. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. What's happening? <laughs> Y'all we're good? Here. Yeah, we're y'all good. here. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's dive in. Tiana, tell me a little bit about um, just your waiting room, to, about your story, and why have you found yourself in seasons of being in a waiting room? Uh, Seventeen years ago, I was diagnosed with lupus, and so um, what lupus is is an autoimmune disease that where my body can't tell the difference between a good cell and a bad cell. My immune system can't, and so it just attacks um, everything. Attacks mm-hmm. my own organs and. Um, muscles, joints, all of that. And so I've had a lot of waiting room seasons as the flares um, have come and gone. And even just in the waiting room of, of healing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. What about you, Randa? Um, I would say about 10 years ago, I found out that I have endometriosis, which is something to do with your ovaries, a little personal, but that's reality. And then um, three years after that, found out I had celiac, so I can't have gluten. Um, and then three years after that, found out that I had fibromyalgia, which is probably the most intense journey of a waiting room. Um, and it just feels like you have the flu all the time. Mm. So essentially, your body um, just hurts to touch or um, just aches all the time. And so that's kind of what I've been journeying through for the last couple of years. So there's a dynamic that you kind of live with kind of seasons of just pain or discomfort or disruption to your life and you don't get a chance to dictate yourself when those seasons end or begin. Uh, so that's a part mm-hmm. of the reality that you guys live with. And I think that's, you guys, it's physical, but many of us, we don't dictate the seasons usually. Um, but when you talk about these seasons, when we think about these seasons, when you guys have been in the waiting room, what does friendship even look like in those moments? Like, what does it mean to have other people show up for you in that space? Or do you even want other people in the waiting room? What I don't want to assume is that there's an invitation in the waiting room. Uh, so tell me a little bit about people in your waiting room and and how you've experienced that and what you look for in that. Well, I guess I'll go first. Um, 
I think it depends on the season. So there are some seasons when I want people to show up. And then there are some seasons when I don't want to see anybody. Um, when I was in college, I found out that I had celiac and I had an amazing group of friends in college and we're all still friends to this day. Um, and that was really hard because I was like, oh, can't eat anything. And back then, no one knew what celiac was and um, you couldn't literally eat anything. And they all decided to go gluten free with me. Mm. So for um, six months, they didn't eat gluten and it was terrible because we couldn't eat anything. Um, but they kind of put my shoes on and walked in that journey with me. Um, and that to me was like the standard of friendship. And over the years, that group of friends, we've gone through some really high moments together and some really low moments, but they are, they're my circle. Those are like some of my ride or dies. And I think that was like, I didn't ask them to go gluten-free with me. They just were like, oh, we're gonna do this because you have to do it. Wow. Um, and that really helped me kind of balance that out. But I think there are other seasons when I just don't want people around me at all. Um, because I'm still in my season of mourning and I'm still in my head um, and just trying to process with the Lord different things. And it's it's a hard thing unless you either have lived with somebody with a chronic illness or if you have it, it's hard to understand the highs and lows of that journey. Hmm. Hmm. What about you, Tiana? Um, I have, for the most, most of the time I've had lupus, majority of the time, I have not allowed people in the waiting room with me. I haven't wanted anybody um, in the waiting room, and that was mainly because of pride and just being um, embarrassed for what lupus can do and how it can um, um, disable me for times and just not wanting to be seen like that. And so I think mm. there was no room for friendship um, for a good 15, 10, maybe 13 years of having lupus. There was just no room for it. So I, uh, if I was in a flare, I would have my husband sworn to secrecy. Hmm. So nobody would know. Nobody at church could know. No, my, other than my parents, my siblings, um, I just didn't want. I didn't want friends. I didn't want anybody in that space. So, um, in my sin and my pride, I, I forced my husband to carry the burden alone because I wouldn't allow community to carry it with him. So what did you? So I mean, how does how does that work? Because you had friends. Do they? Do you just go? ghost for a, like a couple of weeks or a month like what does that look like yeah i had friends i had friends but it was just you know we don't need anything tell my telling my husband telling we don't need anything i don't want nobody to come clean my house i don't want mm -hmm. you know no one knowing how bad it is mm -hmm. so it was just me staying in my house until it was you know till i was able to look healthy enough mm -hmm. to present myself to people mm -hmm. is what um is how i lived a lot of um Lot, lot of this disease is doing that. So mm. it wasn't people didn't offer. It was just me mm -hmm. constantly saying, I'm good. Yeah. I don't need anything. Yeah. yeah. Randa, when you didn't want people, when you want to be in your head, is that is that necessary or is it you resisting community? I think a little bit of both. I think necessary because it, and it might not be necessary, but it protects you from comments that are meant to be helpful but aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of just protects you from having to deal with other people's things. Like when you're going through your own thing, you don't need 10 people to add 10 things on top of it. Um, and then probably should have let community in, but you don't kind of like what Tiana said, you don't want people to see 
that your house is messy or um, that you, yeah, I guess like the housing is a really big one. You don't want people to see that your house is messy or that you are not together, especially mm. when you're a person who like for me, I'd like to think that I'm together 90% of the time. I'm sure the number is way lower, but you know, I'm <laughs> together as a person yeah. and I don't want people to see that and then have a different view of who I am. So Tiana, when you talk about that, you you talk about it like that's past tense. What's mm -hmm. changed and how has that journey impacted you? Um, when I moved up to LA, I think um, I had a friend who just, your wife actually, who just wouldn't um, leave me alone in some <laughs> sense, I think. she. Uh, it was the first time that I'd ever, gosh, I didn't want to cry. It was the first time that someone would actually every day text me and say, how are you feeling? No one had ever done that. Um, not in my family. It was almost, it was just, I'd never had someone keep knocking on a door to get real um, feelings in regards to my lupus and whatnot. Mm. So she, every day she would just text me, how are you feeling? And it was odd and it was annoying at times, but it was also <laughs> just like, you know, who? why does she, you know, to keep wanting to get in this space? Mm. Um, so I think it was just that little bit of a time of, of learning how to answer that question yeah. was uh, huge for me because I wasn't used to answering that question in an honest way. Because with lupus, you're in pain most of the time that you just get used to it. So it takes me a while to even figure out how am I feeling today. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I've never had to actually force myself to do that. So through her um, kind of easing her way in in that way, I think it just kind of... Um, help me to, to begin to see that people want to share this part of my life with me, which I'd not experienced that before other than my husband. And so I think um, also they're just very hard conversations that I've had with you. I think there was just these moments of like, people want to actually come in to this space and mm -hmm. it was surprising um, and very, very hard to actually mm -hmm. let people see me, um, not able to do what I'm used to doing, not to not be strong. It was hard, but um, that was the beginning of me starting to say yes to um, community and yeah. yes to friendship in all areas of my life, not just in the healthy seasons. Yeah, yeah. I I think one of the first points is not even assuming that you're in the waiting room that you want people to come in. I yeah. feel like you've got to do. From what I hear you guys saying, y'all had to do hard work within yourself to even be willing to open the door to invite people in the waiting room. Right. Yeah. Because the temptation with the waiting room is to isolate. Yeah. It is to shut yourself up in there and say, is this me and God? And when I'm presentable, I'll come out or invite someone, someone else in when I'm at a certain place. But there's a work that almost has to happen in you to even open yourself up to inviting someone in the waiting room. Yeah. 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 There is. Yeah. yeah. I think there was years where mm -hmm. um, people, you know, could have tried to bogart their way in and it just, you would have been met with anger. I mean, yeah. a whole lot. Yeah. A whole lot. Yeah. Um, it Because it, I just, I was not ready um, to do that, to let that part of me be seen. And so there was a lot of work that had to get done just to simply answer a question of how I'm feeling in an honest way. The more than people don't realize, probably. It's a lot to be able to, to tell say, the truth about how you're truth. really feeling. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Because you're not really feeling well. You're not feeling well. Also, it's just like 
people don't understand. Yeah. So it's fighting that to like, do I? How do I go and explain all of this? Because yeah. it's so complicated. Do you want to see a medical history? Yeah. <laughs> so I think sometimes it's easier just to be like, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Than to try to explain all that. Do this, guys. Talk to the person who's listening, and they're in the waiting room, but so far they refuse to allow anyone in. Why should they open the door? And how should they open the door to invite others in the waiting room? I think I'd say I'm still in the process of letting people in. I'm not all the way there yet. Um, but I think actually Tiana is one of the people that I've journeyed um, through this with. So one, it's been great to have someone um, who kind of has a similar experience and to see her journey. Um, it also gave me the freedom to kind of live out my journey and to speak my journey a little bit more um, because it's not something that I really share with people. Um, but I think it's necessary for community and to see that bit of brokenness in people. And it just opens the door for other people to kind of share their stories and feel some of the freedom. So I guess you never know like what your story is going to do to help somebody else. Um, and I know, and uh, as I've been going through specifically fibromyalgia, this is a story that the Lord has given me that actually when I talk about it, I'm really surprised at who he brings in my life uh, more than any other thing that or gift that he's given me. Like, and I, it's weird to say fibromyalgia is a gift, but is the gift that helped me see him more. Um, so I think I'm still in the process of learning how to let people in um, because they're just, it does come with, for me, it comes with a lot of pain of letting people see that of people not showing up or um, not showing up in the way that you want them to. So I would say I'm still in that journey. But it's a big deal that you just said in the waiting room, fibro is the gift that God gave you that helped you to see him. Oh yeah, if I didn't have fibro, I I couldn't say I would not really necessarily think I needed God. Yeah. Um, and that sounds crazy, but I've always been a, I can do it myself, I don't need help, um, I've got this. And fibro, it gave me three months of bed rest where it was me and the Lord. I couldn't drive for almost two years. Um, and I listened to the same sermon over and over again. Um, and that is really where like laying down when it's really just you and God, I saw my need for him. And that's mm. kind of the journey that I've seen. Um, when flares happen, it just reminds me that he's there um, and he sees the pain, even though it it's literally hell. Um, it's helped me see him in ways that I wouldn't have seen him if I didn't have mm. it. And that's the power of what happens in the waiting room. Yeah. I think that's so significant. Tiana, how would you answer that question? What what advice would you give someone who's still got the door closed, sworn to secrecy, don't tell nobody, I'm in pain in the waiting room and I don't want anybody to know? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I had a flare a few years ago where it was the first time where things actually changed for me. Um, my lupus was attacking my, my brain and my central nervous system, so I was having seizures and just a whole list of other things, and it was really scary. But it was the first time where I had ever let anybody in a hospital room, because mm. up until that point, no one has ever been allowed to visit me in a hospital. Wow. Um, and I, it was the first time where I got so, things were so bad that I just said, uh, we need people praying. We need people praying. And so we, we had... Um, we just let, let the flood doors open and people came and they prayed and they covered us um, and they took care of my kids and they, they did things that I, I probably don't, still don't know the full extent of. Mm. But I think for me, why, 
you let people in is that time was so healing for me just to, um, to realize one, um, it dispels the lie that you're alone because I yeah. think you feel yeah. very alone. Yeah. Um, and the enemy tries to magnify that you're the only one feeling mm. this or suffering or struggling this way. And if you let people in, it, it dispels that lie, even though they cannot, none of them will feel what I'm feeling in my body. Yeah. And it's me having to realize you don't have to feel what I'm feeling in my body to still be with me. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a, there's a, even a maturity that I've had to grow into in that sense. Cause it almost is usually it's like, if you can't feel me, then you can't understand mm -hmm. me. Then I just, I don't, we don't need to talk, but I think it's me just realizing, getting to the point that there's people who still want to be with you and walk mm -hmm. with you, even if they can't completely understand what you're going through. So I think it dispels um, that lie for sure. But I also think um, there's just so much um, healing that comes from it. So much has come from my marriage to, to not allow my husband to share the burden. Yeah. I think that we mm. often can put those closest to us have the most burden of taking care of us because uh, yeah. we won't let in community, people that want to help and lighten the load. Yeah. Um, so I think there's just there's that's another why why you need to let people in because there's there's help that you need that you can't get access to without mm. the body of christ and mm. without uh, people coming around you and just showing up um and then it just you just feel loved i've never felt more loved mm. than when i've started saying yes to community mm. and allowing people to be a part of lupus um i've never felt more um just secure in my friendships or in my community in general, because I've seen that people don't just want the healthy Tiana and what I can do or yeah. give to them. They, they want me when I'm laid out and I can't do nothing. You know what I'm mm. saying? Like I can't give um, anything to them. They still show up. So I think there's just a, there's a godly love that you get to feel mm. that you will never feel isolated away from people. Wow. Wow. So the person that's living in isolation and you're going through something really hard and you're in a waiting room and nobody knows, I think what what I'm hearing them say is that you're missing parts of God that are available to you. Um, God holds you not just in the ethereal uh, spiritual way, but he holds you through his other sons and daughters and through the body of Christ gathering around you. There's a there's a peace and there are places in God that you can only experience when in community being loved on by others. So I think if you're in the waiting room and you're living in isolation, open the door, invite some people in, tell the truth about where you are and watch God raise up opportunities for people to love you well. When you don't tell your friends the truth, you deny them the opportunity to love you well. Because they want to love you according to your need. But if you never express the need and what's really going on, they can never love you in the way that you need it the most. So somebody's listening to this and nobody knows. Tell somebody. You're living in isolation and the devil is telling you you're alone. So you're believing that lie and you're perpetuating it. Make this the day. As, as you, when you, when this podcast goes off, call that friend call your family member. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would even show you who you need to call, that mm -hmm. he, he can be that detailed yeah. and just say, hey, I'm hurting. I'm in a season where I'm suffering. I'm in a season where I'm acting like it's going well and I'm not going well. And I just wanted you to know and give them an opportunity to love you. 
I know there's a risk that they'll disappoint you. Um, and that that's a true reality. Um, but I'm convinced that God has got you. Um, and there's a community out there that he has for you. Um, and you should invite them in. You should invite them in. When, when they come in, y'all, let's, let's just go very practical, like very, very practical. Top tips of things not to do when they're trying to show up for friends that are suffering and going through hard times. Uh, I know y'all's uh, will, will lean more towards physical, but I think some of this will be just appropriate across the board. Top, top few things to do when people are going through a hard time, when people are mourning, here's what not to say. Here, what are some things that you don't want friends to do or say? Don't bring me your cure. Yeah. Don't bring your cure. What does that mean? Yeah. It means that well-meaning, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well-meaning well people will come up, especially in a flare or mm -hmm. in a season where things are hard, and they just they are one hundred percent sure they have the answer. Yes. To what's wrong with you? To what's wrong? So they're about to cure it. lupus. They're about to cure it, mm -hmm. and they got it written down. And, and all my Google. life, I've been looking for them. That's it. I just been waiting for them, and it's like so. It's it can just. There's seasons where I can hear that. Yeah. And there's seasons yeah. where I just can't. I think, yeah. especially with me, and I've been praying for a cure, praying for healing for so long, and so I think it's almost just like the uh, every flare is um, essentially broken hope. It's just yeah. I've I was hoping I was better, and then it's just like boom, it's still here. So I think it's hard when people are bringing like, oh well, this is what you mm -hmm. got to do. This which because I'm like I have done all that and I'm still in this space. Mm -hmm. I just need to be able to be here mm -hmm. without you trying to figure out how to get me out of it. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I haven't you know, I haven't done it myself. I just mm -hmm. need to sit here and be here and just mourn this. Um, and there's a season where I might take recommendations, but it's just not, it's just knowing when to do it. Yeah. It's not the yeah. time. Like we don't need your oil. And I love oils. I use them all the time. Uh, but don't give us an oil or a natural food diet or something like that. It's Believe coming me. with a bunch of. Yeah, we've tried. A bunch of answers. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. And not yeah. at that moment when you're in yeah. the thick of the it. Moment. You know yeah. what I mean? Right, right. Make Maybe a list later. and say, hey, when you have time, right. here are a couple of things if you want to consider. Right. But um, if you have already, just throw it in the trash. Yeah. Just say something like that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if you've already heard this before, just throw it away. Yeah. But yeah. people come so confident. Yeah. Right, like right, they right. discovered yes. something. Right. And like, oh, I got to tell you, and this is yes. it. And then they put Jesus juice on it and yeah. use Jesus language. <laughs> the Lord told me. Oh and it's Lord. almost like they taking a victory lap for your healing. Yeah, and you still, yeah. by the way, I'm still in ICU. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. And the worst thing to do is to be in ICU and then be like, I see you up in here. Yeah, I see you in here getting on my nerves. Yeah. Um, what What are some other things? What are some other things? I would say, um, like on the more, don't over spiritualize everything. Yeah. Um. Or like the God's gonna heal you. Jesus wants to heal you. You're not praying hard enough. I think those have been some of the hardest things for me because sometimes He's not going to heal you, and I think that's a reality that we need to sit in. Like sometimes complete healing comes when you reach heaven, and I don't think people know how to sit with people in suffering and just sit like in that moment. So yeah, yeah don't over spiritualize it, and don't say our faith isn't strong enough. And it, this isn't even a healing thing. This is just with any kind of suffering. Um, yeah, I think the assumption is that people aren't praying when you say things like that, or they haven't talked to God about them, um, and that often does more harm than it does good. Yeah, like Joe's friends, this is not the time 
to bring accusation yeah. of of a lack of faith or a lack of something. Yeah. Like Job's friends just sat with him and they were just with him. But when they started messing up is when they started saying, Job, what did you do wrong? Yeah. Is something wrong with you? Is Are you not praying hard enough? Are you, is there mm-hmm. sin in your life? What did you do? And yeah. It's just not inspiring. And it causes a spiral of like, well, what did I do wrong? Yeah. Is this yeah. because I ate that candy bar? That I spent I years <laughs> blaming myself for lupus. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, I've ran into that in the yeah. church. Whereas you got you to gotta do something. You're not doing yeah. something. You're not praying hard enough. And it, it, it's not necessarily said like that. Yeah. So it's just even just being careful with how you say things that could infer that there's something you're, you're not doing or lacking um, that's that's not allowed you to be free of this yet. Yeah. Whatever suffering you're going through, yeah. it's just um, it's. I spent a lot of years in guilt and trying to figure out, and just shame, trying to figure out, yeah, well, why am I still sick? Why is not ended? Because their comments are producing guilt and shame, right. not yeah. hope and healing. Right. Yeah. So they think they're saying, "Oh, God's gonna do what mm-hmm. you just pray hard." You just and you're thinking. I'm in pain. I've prayed harder than I ever have before mm-hmm. in my life and nothing's changed. Yeah. Yeah. So your comment is an indictment to me. And I'm and when you leave, I'm sitting here with pain wondering how much harder do I have to pray yeah. in order to get God to move. Mm-hmm. And he's just not that kind of God. Yeah. He's not standing up saying, Oh, not yet. But yeah. oh, if you pray harder, yeah. I'm all oh yeah. no, no, you didn't <laughs> yeah. pray long enough. Oh, oh you still yeah. gonna be sick. That's yeah. just not how he rolls. Yeah. So we need to stop. Um, representing him in that way to people who are suffering and having yeah. a hard time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. What are some other things? I think a lot of times people um, rush you to be okay so that they can be okay mm-hmm. <laughs> because they are uncomfortable with you being uncomfortable. So they don't know how mm-hmm. f- to let it just be okay that you're not okay and not feel the need to fix stuff. Mm-hmm. So friends that are trying to fix it, well, can I get you this? Or what do you need this? Mm-hmm. Well, what about this? What about and they try to minimize it or to try to say, well, look look, look on the brighter side. Uh, <laughs> my cousin Lily, she lost her leg doing this. So, oh, so you're gonna make me feel right, better right, about right. myself by exposing the tragedy of someone else. So yeah. you should feel better because at least you ain't jacked up like right, them. Yeah, like right. that's that's yeah. terrible reasoning. And I should yeah. not, my 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 joy should not come at the pain of somebody yeah. else. Not mm-hmm. a good thing to say. Not yeah. a good thing to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you, that you don't want people to do while you're in the waiting room or that you don't need? I would say don't make it a competition. Like practically, if I say I'm tired, that's not the time for you to say, well, I have 10 children. You don't know what tired is. Uh, yeah, Especially like good. I'm, 28 and single and when i say i'm tired i get the whole oh yeah. well you didn't go to work and do x i'm like well i legitimately am counting down the hours till i get back i'm tired all the time yeah so i don't need this comparison of like yeah what you did just let me if you're asking how i am and i say i'm tired let me say i'm tired yeah. because also if i say i'm tired there's 50 other things that i could say along with the i'm tired like my arms hurt i can't lift them today like things like that that you don't know how to respond to so yeah. i think don't make it a competition about who's had the longer day or whatever. And even not in a suffering kind of way. Like we don't have to compete for suffering. Like who's suffering the worst. Oh, but that's such humanity. That's such a, <laughs> we, people do that. You People coming to visit you because your mama died and they end up saying, yeah, I remember when my mama yeah. died and my mama died such and such. And yeah, you think it's rough now, but wait, such and such. I don't want to talk about your mama. Yeah. I just buried my mama. Can we just focus on my mama right now? I don't want to hear about your mama. And so I come to your house, I talk about your mama, but this is my time to worry yeah. and grieve my mama. You know, yeah. people just, because they're trying to 
grab something familiar to be relatable. Yeah. But what they're doing is they're making it about themselves. Yeah. And this is not a moment to be about yourself. This is a moment to be about that person that you've yeah. come to support mm-hmm. and to show care for. Yeah. What is it like to, um, how have people shown up well for you mm-hmm. uh, in your waiting room? What are some testimonies and some stories of where you felt like, man, wow, that was exactly what I needed and how I needed it. Any examples of that? Um, there was a, I just came out of a, a flare and a two month recovery. Um, and so it's pretty fresh, but there was just, there was a day where I, um, I was, it was pretty dark. A few days where it was pretty dark and I needed um, to change my focus. Mm-hmm. And so, I was getting, uh, felt like I was getting spiritually depressed and it was just a lot. And so I just knew I needed to, to cry out for God's presence. So I spent the whole next day um, just laid out, prostrate on the floor, crying out for God's presence. And there was three worship songs that I played all day, all day. My kids hate them now. My <laughs> husband hates them now, but I played them on a loop all day <laughs> on the two television. And I laid on the floor for hours and I cried out. And it was the first day where I didn't cry out for healing. I didn't ask for healing at all. I just wanted Jesus and his presence. And there was a um, moment where I realized everything else can get taken away. And if I do mm-hmm. not, God, yeah. but if I can't feel you and know that you're here, nothing nothing else matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I laid on the floor and I cried out for God all day long. And, and that evening I had a friend come over because my husband had to leave. And so she was coming over to sit with me. And um, I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk about my symptoms. I didn't want to catch her up on what was going on. I just wanted her to sit and watch these three worship videos with me. (laughs) And she sat there. She tried to talk at first, and then she realized, I just said, I just want to worship. I don't want to talk about lupus. I just just want his presence today. And for two hours, she watched these three worship videos with me on a loop for two hours straight. Mm. She just sat there, and she just watched him with me. Wow. And I cried, and I watched him Mm. for the whole night. And I just realized I needed someone who didn't just want to come in with this, all these ways they wanted to minister to me because Jesus was doing it. I just needed someone mm. to sit there and just be ministered to with me. That's good. Um, and she did that. And I just, I needed that that day. So. Mm. That's good. What about you, Randa? Um, I think just going back to like my college friends, like them going gluten-free for me was, yeah. that honestly That's is huge. a standard of friendship for mm, me. That's cool. Like those are my ride or dies. Um, Cause I, I didn't ask them to. And it was at that time, like it was almost, gosh, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago now. So nothing was gluten-free. Mm. Um, and those same friends took me to the emergency room multiple times and they just kind of made it an experience. So mm. like there were times when they'd legitimately make guacamole in the waiting room while they were waiting for me. Mm. Um, and I just knew with them, like they would always be there. Um, I didn't have to ask for things. And it wasn't weird. Like I've been kind of like Tiana, like in and out of emergency rooms for years um, to where like I know some of the nurses and they're like, oh, you're here again. Um, But yeah, just showing up. And for me, I need to get out of my own head. Mm. Um, And so that was even like making guacamole in a waiting room is weird. But I mean, it was something that it's a memory that I have. So when I look Mm. back at that hospital trip, that's what I remember. Not like the suffering of it, I think. Um, So I think for me, helping create memories and even something as simple as cleaning your house. I was working an event and I was flaring. Um, and I told somebody that I was flaring and I is actually LaRosa, your wife. Uh, and she went over and I didn't know she was going over 
and I came back home and there was all of my favorite things. Mm. Um, and she left a little note and she was like, I just wanted you to come home and your house be clean. Um, which when you just specific to illness, when you have a chronic illness, that is legitimately the one thing you don't want to do is clean. And that's the hardest thing to do because you don't have energy for that. You have to have energy for everything else. Mm. So to have somebody like just think through that, I wouldn't have the energy to come home after work and clean. And to do that was like just amazing. So just, you know, practical things to just like help yeah. in a way that and you don't have to tell people that you're helping somebody i think that's another thing too yeah. like a lot of that stuff can just be behind the scenes i don't want um i'm i think still in my private phase so put i don't want like media. yeah don't put me on instagram that she came over to my house and right. oh just here helping rand out no i don't <laughs> don't do that like, i will block you in a second your dirty dishes. <laughs> Yeah, Imagine. just like quiet, <laughs> just be quiet with your help, I think, because, yeah. you know, some things are still fresh, so. That's good. I think there's an, another thing, a way people have showed up for me is um, when my faith has gotten weak, and I've actually said that to people, mm. um, just say, I need you just to send me truth. I need you to mm -hmm. send me scriptures. I need you to send me, uh, remind me what's real, because there's certain flares, certain seasons of suffering where everything becomes distorted. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what's real, what's fake, what's up, what's mm -hmm. down. I can't tell or feel anything right now, mm. but my situation. And so I think there was a moment where I had to reach out to a friend and say, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm losing myself. Mm -hmm. So I need you to tell me what I would normally know, mm -hmm. what I would be able to speak confidently in another season. I need you to remind me of in yeah. this one. So I need you to text me, send me a, a worship mm -hmm. song, um, you know, just so people that have done that mm. or God just put in my heart and they just send me that and they don't even, I don't have to even respond because there's sometimes I, I, I can't respond mm -hmm. to it, but just as, as you would feel like just sending me something and, and not being offended if I don't, you know, mm -hmm. engage with it again, but just knowing I remember every person that sent me something, mm. whether I got to respond to it or mm. not during my plays, yeah. I remember every person that showed up in my text that just said, you know, here's a scripture or whatever. Mm. Um, and there was times where I had to go back through and read those text messages and they may have never known, mm. but yeah. I had, I needed something, yeah. somebody speaking truth over me because everything is confusing in mm. seasons of suffering. That's good, that's good. I think a couple of big takeaways, if you're in a season of waiting, um, a passionate pursuit of Jesus um, should be primary in this mm. season because there are moments when beyond deliverance, beyond healing, Lord, your presence yeah. is sufficient. Mm -hmm, right. Um, and I think friends showing up in a way that points you back to his presence yeah. is also significant, mm -hmm. sending truth. And friends showing up in a way um, that's fun, yeah. Yeah. like making guacamole in a waiting room, yeah. which is, you know, it's the terrible worst thing I've ever heard in my life. But <laughs> not sanitary. Uh, not at all. Sure. Well, actually, it probably is. It's the most clean place, probably. <laughs> it's probably cleaner than your kitchen. Uh, but but the fact that you said more than the pain I had, I remember their presence. Yeah. Wow, that's huge. Mm -hmm. um, to be able to give someone who's going through pain the gift of your presence and your presence outshadowed the pain of that mm, person. Yeah. That's pretty significant. Um, so sh showing up and then, you know, recognizing that you, sometimes you show up and you show up with an agenda. Let me talk. Let me minister. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh mm -hmm. no, actually 
my job today is just to sit and watch mm-hmm. three worship videos over and over again for two hours. Yeah. Like, that sounds terrible and torturous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, whoa, okay. Um, all we'll right. Be doing that again. But, but you show up and you provide what's needed. Yeah. What they need to receive, not what you feel like you need to give. Yeah. I think that's a big difference. Um, but most importantly, like I said earlier, I think the waiting room is not designed for a solo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's designed, there are other chairs in that waiting room for a reason, Mm -hmm. invite other people in. And ladies, I think I would also say from your perspective, if you're in the waiting room and you're inviting people in, it's okay for you to use your voice and say what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it was really awkward. (laughs) I'm sure, uh, that person, because I know who it was, I'm sure they came over watching videos and wanted to talk, wanted to minister, (laughs) having what was going on. And you was like... (laughs) Sure, you was all dramatic, too, and tired. I just want to worship. That's pretty much how it was. So it's like, okay, all right. You know what I mean? Can I rub you back while you worship? Nope. Nope. I just want to worship. Just want Jesus. But I think that's profound. Use your voice and tell people what you need. They're there to serve you, and they love you. So they're there to serve you. So it's okay to say, you know what? If come and hang out, but I'm not going to be much. I'm not going to be talking much. Yeah. I just want to sit or come and I'm actually going to be upstairs in the room and you can just sit downstairs. And mm-hmm. if would you just pray for me and intercede? And mm-hmm. if I need anything, I'll call you. You know what I mean? Or being able to express what you need. Send me scriptures. Send me notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's laugh. Would you just come over and let's just have fun? Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about I don't want to give any updates on medical yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make today about lupus. I love the way you said that. Uh, I want to make it about something else. Let's talk about you. Tell me your story. Right, tell me yeah. your who, who, what you've been doing, what yeah. you've been drinking, smoking, sleeping with. Tell me your sins. <laughs> oh my god! Tell me your well, that's sins. Real, <laughs> <laughs> well, it all depends on who's coming over. It's, it's, you know, if you, if you see your mama, that'd be awkward. You know what I mean? But, but right. I, I think this waiting room um, season that you find yourself in, if you're listening to this, um, it's not designed for you to do it by yourself, and you can use your voice. And invite people in and tell them how to show up for you. Because God just might be doing something in the season of waiting um, that you don't have to wait for. Let me say that again. God may just be doing something in the season of waiting that you don't have to wait for. He has something for you right now. So the question I want to ask is, what about your friends? Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Albert Tate Podcast. To stay connected, make sure to subscribe to the Albert Tate channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. You can follow along with Albert on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Once again, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode, and we'll see you next time.